Inside Westminster, Chapter 220, Getting What You Want. Trump whooped with joy. What did I tell you all? He shouted to his entourage, gathered in the poolside veranda of his new post-White House abode. We all knew you'd win, they all chorused. Too right, he trumpeted, the Donald never loses. And with that, he beckoned to one of the skivvies, employed to cater for his every whim, and told him to open six bottles of champagne. As a teetotaler, he continued with his bright orange fizzy concoction, which he drank by the gallon, and which might have been responsible for the similarly tangerine hue of his skin and hair ends. Where's Melania? Trump shouted to the skivvy, who shrugged his shoulders, answering, Sure, I don't know, sir. But he did know. He knew fine well that his friend Tony, the masseurs, had somehow managed to inveigle Melania, this earthly bird of paradise, into falling in love with him. Or possibly just in lust. Whatever her, her emotional state, Tony's had reacted, had Tony's had reached a frenzy of crescendoing and unrelenting waves of mind-bending fantasies that were almost impossible to control. He'd spent months being polite, hesitant almost, at her majesty, her grandeur, her presence. He was totally besotted and merely functioned when going about his daily routine of work, gym, socialising. There had been only one thought on his mind since he could remember, and that thought had been her. Her body, her perfume, her voice filled every corner of his mind like an actual physical presence until he almost yelled out in exquisite pain. Then suddenly and unexpectedly she had succumbed and the roller coaster of passion in his mind became a breathless, all-consuming reality. Today, the day of her husband, the day her husband heard that his second impeachment had failed, was the third time they'd met. This time he'd slipped into her condo, located on the far side of the complex owned by Trump. She'd insisted that she had her own separate accommodation as far away as possible from Trump's, for privacy and to be far away from the inevitable prying eyes. Trump had agreed, allowing her to have the pick of half a dozen high-end condos. He'd be keeping his end of the mar their marital deal, as Melania had been one of his best investments. Always immaculately and expensively quaffed, never saying anything out of place, doing enough good works to not be criticised, being loyal and faithful to him. Or so he'd thought. For her part, Melania felt she'd more than kept her side of the bargain too. She'd fought an internal battle since taking on Tony as her personal masseuse, realising that he was the embodiment of the aspect signally failing in her marriage to Trump. The physical fire which had never been ignited between her and her husband would inevitably take its toll and Melania knew there'd be a price to pay one day. And that day had arrived when Tony Lambrusco answered her discreet ad in The Woman of Substance magazine. There'd been 30 applicants for the job and she'd interviewed three, Tony being the one, the only one, with the right sort of hands to massage and unknot her permanently tense neck and shoulder muscles. 
It's like I'm constantly ready to run a mile from here, she'd said during their first session, and it's a feeling that never lets up. Tony had felt a wave of sympathy come over him, realising that under his muscular yet tender hands lay a beautiful captive. This woman was not free, even though she must be fabulously wealthy. She couldn't just go shopping or take a stroll along the beach. No, she'd first have to check with her lord and master, then with security, then with the White House staff, by which time any desire to do something ordinary or spontaneous would have been trammelled and destroyed. Another person who felt he was being trampled underfoot was Matthew Shrove. He of the many titles, one of which was in the process of being defenestrated. What have I done? Shrove moaned to his wife, Cat, on the day that his nemesis, the chap who'd actually driven Brexit through, was promoted into one of his positions. I'm sure you've done nothing wrong, said Cat, groaning. You've been working 24-7 since the start of this bloody thing. Well, he threatened to walk and Potty simply couldn't let him go, Shrove continued as his wife actually started to realise something was wrong. So how does this affect our income? asked the ever-practical cat. Only we've got our youngest, youngest school fees starting this autumn. Don't worry, cat, said Shrove. I'm still definitely number two, no matter what Madam Mandy thinks. Madam Mandy, what do you mean? asked Cat. Haven't you been reading the papers? laughed Shrove, adding, I mean, you only write most of the stuff. Yes, but you're the one in on the know, replied Cat, so what's been happening? Well, Ben's gone, and his sidekick too, but you know that, said Shrove, continuing. It's just that there's rumours swirling that the bigwigs in the party are sharpening their knives to curb the power of the PM's consort. That's not fair, retorted Cat, adding, just because she's clever, influential and beautiful, the old guard want to excise her influence. It's more than that, said Shrove. Insiders are sure she's actually writing key policies. What? guffawed Cat in disbelief. Yep, ejected Shrove, adding, and I don't see anything that contradicts their assertions. Well, what does Potty have to say? quizzed Cat. He's too busy to bother with a lot of stuff, which he sees, anyway, as mere sideshows, said Shrove. I've heard that there are key players who've been taken on on her say-so, admitted Cat, adding, but is that a crime? No, of course it's not, said Shrove, but her influence is becoming very obvious and, quite frankly, irksome, and now it's becoming the news. Well, as long as it doesn't affect your career progress, I don't see there's too much to worry about, said Cat, asking. But are you still his number one confident, like you used to be? Don't think so, said Trove, shrugging his shoulders. Well, just be careful. If she does sound like she's becoming a wee bit too big for her boots, commented Cat. And with that, they got on with the job uh, in hand of degunging the muddy paws caused by the walk undertaken by their daughter of the household pet dog, Mungo. Talking of dogs, said Cat, whilst grappling with Mungo's noxious hindquarters, Trusty's been making alarming headlines. I know, said Shrove, it's a nightmare, as it's an unhouse-trained chewer of ancient tomes. 
Oh dear, replied Cat sympathetically. It's been costing Potty a fortune in running repairs, and the flats upstairs in Downing Street are acquiring a rather musty odour. Ugh, that's a shame, said Cat, quizzing. Didn't they know that rescue dogs often have acquired unbreakable and bad habits? Don't suppose they bothered to think, let alone ask, retorted Shrove, adding, and you know, what Mandy wants, Mandy gets, is the copycat mantra ringing round the corridors of Downing Street. I'm sure Pot is knee-deep in his road map out of this mess, acknowledged Cat, who still harboured fond memories of her being the oldest stateswoman and mother figure to the likes of the Cannons and, to a lesser extent, Potty and Mandy. She'd been full of advice and helping hands as the older and wiser female who'd managed to juggle a successful career as a top-flight journalist and mother of two, now teenage children so inexperienced mothers had naturally turned to her for her experienced and kind words of wisdom. That is, until the big fallout and then the pandemic and its attendant lockdowns. And now, back over the pond, the latest figures underscored what a mess that vast and great nation had become. Half a million deaths, constituting 20% of the world's death toll from this ghastly and sobering pandemic. <laughs>